This podcast is produced by Audiofy. Welcome to Vida Church Live, the podcast. Our mission is to help you to know God better, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Join us now at the altar of Vida Church for this week's life-changing message. As I was thinking about uh, just the idea of eternal life, as, growing up, I, you know, everybody's always talked to me about eternal life. When we get to heaven, we're going to be living an amazing life. There's, it's going to be never ending, no tears, no sorrow. It's just going to be such a great thing. But uh, today I want to start off by reading off a very famous, uh, a famous, not famous, uh, a very famous scripture that I think everybody knows it by heart. Uh, and if we could just recite it together, um, I don't even think we need words on the screen. I think everybody just kind of knows. We're going to be talking about John 3.16. Do you got it? John 3.16, on the count of three, one, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. That scripture says that God loved the world, that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I think it's important to know that everlasting life does not begin when we die. When God promises and he says, I love the world so much that I gave you my son, so whosoever believes in him has everlasting life. It is important to know that everlasting life starts whenever somebody believes, not when you die. We have to remember God is an eternal God. He is the creator and the giver of eternal life. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is now. He will be forever. So when we go back to the book of Genesis and we see that when God created us, he created us like him. He created us eternally. He created us with eternity inside of us. But when men fell and he took from the forbidden fruit, he opened the door to sin and sin came and interrupted that eternal life, giving us and introducing us to death and perdition. So when we were created, we were created with eternal life. We didn't have to covet it. We didn't have to look for it. We didn't have to ask for it. God gave us eternal life from the very beginning. He made us like him. But when sin came along, it broke that flow of eternal life. And now we find ourselves introduced to death. 
And now there's a choice. This is why there were two trees in the garden. There was one of knowledge of good and evil. And then there was the one of the tree of life. The, the tree of life, if they would have taken in the perfect condition, they would have remained in that perfect condition. But when you go to the knowledge of right and wrong, the good and evil, when you want a taste of both waters, you're going to be introduced to the death whose only job is to stump your eternal life. Eternal life is not in heaven. Eternal life is here and is here with us. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to wait till a heart attack takes you. You don't have to wait till you have an accident and you die to receive eternal life. Eternal life is here and is now. John chapter 5 verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but have already passed from death to life. We don't have to wait for the gift of eternal life. The gift of eternal life was given to us twice, in the beginning and when Jesus redeemed us. But it is a gift from God that we have here and now. You don't have to pray for it if you receive Jesus Christ. It's yours. The question, however, is how do we respond to this divine gift. I remember when Melody was a little girl, I loved celebrating her birthday, mainly because she had a common phrase. You know kids, when you give them a gift, different gifts at their birthday party, some of us are like really thoughtful and considerate to the parents. So we'll buy like articles of clothing, shoes, things that kids don't care about that most of the time. They want the toys, they want the candy, but Melody was different. Everything she opened, when she opened, she would go, ah, what I've always wanted. And people felt so good that every time, it didn't matter what it was, she would open it up and she would be like, oh my God, this is what I've always wanted. It was her favorite phrase. My question is, what do we say when we open up the gift of eternal life in our lives? When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our attitude towards this life will determine what our attitude will be towards eternity. Or do we think that we can behave one way here and be expected to behave differently in heaven? How do we react when God gives us the gift of eternal life? Children and adults have a similar perspective when facing their day. Some of the kids, man, when you wake up from school, you're so excited. You're filled with new opportunities to learn and enjoy new things. Believe it or not, there are certain kids that actually feel excited about going to school to learn. We can't put them, there he goes. We can't put them all in a category, kids hate school, that's not true. We have kids that love going to school. They love to learn. And when they arrive at school, what kind of day do they have? They have a day that is positive. They have a day filled with learning. They take advantage of every opportunity. 
But for other kids, going to school is a time of sadness. It's a time of terrible woe. You already decided. You hate school. You don't like what they're going to teach you. This is not going to be a good experience. So what kind of day do you think you're going to receive? Your attitude towards what is ahead will directly impact your experience in the journey. The school bus is a lot like school in that some kids love to ride on the bus. They will get on the bus and they will look at all the different sites. They will talk to their friends. They enjoy um, the, 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 the different panoramic views that they can see. And when they get to the school, sometimes it's like, ah, because they love being on that bus with their friends. But for some, it's not a pleasant experience. They just can't wait to get off the bus. For others, it's just a long, slow ride to your least favorite place on earth. But whether you love the bus or you hate it, the bus ride doesn't last forever. Before you know it, you're going to reach a destination. For some, your destination is going to be a moment of joy, exactly where you always wanted to head. But for others, it's going to be a moment of distress, knowing you have to enter into your least likable place. The way that kids look at the bus is a lot like we look at life as adults. There are some people who have decided, I'm going to enjoy this ride. I'm going to get on this bus and I am going to enjoy the people in it. I am going to enjoy the view and I am going to uh, keep my, my hopes on the arrival of a place, a destination where I love and I want to get to. They savor every moment. They're thrilled when the ride comes to an end because they know that it wasn't all about the bus, it was more about the destination. I'm happy to say that we do not have to go through this life with a bad attitude. Can I say that again? We do not have to go through life with a bad attitude. When you look at Luke chapter 23, we find that there are three people on the cross. There was Jesus crucified with two other thieves on either side. I think it's important to know, and actually I, I, I have an image. I want you to look at it. If we can put up the image. I want, I want you to understand that this is Jesus and two thieves on the side. I think it's important to know that they were both guilty of thieving. And I think that thieving part of it, I was like, why didn't he put like a murderer and another person so that, you know, any other kind of sin so that we could be like, you know, if we committed that sin, because then there would have been like all kinds of crosses everywhere. It would have been Jesus and a whole lot of crosses. But there were two thieves. Why? Because the original sin was thieving. There was a tree with a fruit that did not belong to Eve, and it did not belong to Adam. It belonged to God. And they took what did not belong to them, therefore guilty of stealing. 
So you have two thieves with two different attitudes on the cross. I think this scenario is speaking to those who are guilty, which by the way, the word of God clearly states that we are all guilty of sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall, fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus was at the center. And in the center, he was accessible to both thieves. He is accessible to everyone. It doesn't matter what your attitude is, you still have access to Jesus Christ. You still have access to eternal life. But only those that have the right attitude are going to benefit from that eternal life. One of the criminals who hung on uh, uh, there hurled insults at him. Are you the Messiah? Save yourself. He had an attitude. He wanted to justify himself. He was angry about the circumstances that were happening. He was doubtful about Jesus. And he thought that he could bully Jesus into giving him eternal life. If you are God, then why don't you take care of yourself and take care of me? It sounds to me like this was not a repentant thief or a repentant criminal. But on the other side, Luke 23, 40 says, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since we are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting the deeds that we deserve. But this man, this one on the cross, he has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, the other thief confessed his wrongdoing. He did not need to put the blame on somebody else to feel better about himself. He understood that while he was guilty, Jesus was not guilty. And he understood that if someone was willing to take the sins of others upon his shoulder, that is someone worth asking to remember me. And then he looked at Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, I understand that I am what I am, but I understand that you are a king. You have a kingdom. There is a place beyond where we are. And that is the place I want to get to. So I might not be able to get there on my own, but when you get there, can you remember me? Perhaps you can leave me a trail. Perhaps you can leave me the directions. Jesus answered him, verse 43. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I love that. I was sharing with the dream team this morning that Jesus said to him, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Why did he say today? Because the work of the cross had not finished. Eternal life was not completely restored until he gave up his spirit and he resurrected. So he says to him today, because when you say today, it could be right now, it could be later, it could be five hours, as long as it's before midnight, you're good, right? So sometimes we live our lives as believers. We, we say to Jesus, remember me. We say to Jesus, I confess my sin. And we think that we have to wait till sometime later for God to redeem us and give us that eternal life. 
But 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is written after Jesus resurrected. And it says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait for today or any other day. The moment that you declare Jesus Christ as your savior, eternal life is yours. Your circumstances, nor the world's standards, should dictate our attitude or what we do. To keep our attitudes from stinking so much, we often look for peace and happiness. You know those people in search, peace, happiness, that's all I want. A little bit of peace, a little bit of happiness. And we look in many different places. But the bottom line is that Peace and happiness are fruits of the Spirit. They're fruit of the Spirit, just like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We need all those things to be able to keep a positive attitude, but we can't find them anywhere else unless we are looking and seeking the Holy Spirit of God. So how can we ensure to have a positive attitude as believers? Romans 12, 2, it says, do not, do not, do not, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We cannot conform to this world and believe that we are going to keep a positive attitude. Just turn on the news and see if you have a positive attitude after that. Just start behaving according to pop culture or whatever is popular. And you're going to see that soon enough, you're going to have such a hard time keeping up with the times is always changing. What matters, valuables, pr values, and principles, they're always changing in the world. When it comes to scripture, values are always the same. They don't change. Our God doesn't change, so they don't change. So if we chase those things, our attitude is going to align to the discrepancies that we find in all the things that we're going after. So first of all, Today we're learning that, or God is reminding us that eternal life is a gift from God that we have here and we have now. The second thing I want us to remember today is that our time on earth is uncertain. We saw evidence of that uh, this past Friday, Saturday, Friday, one of those days. Yesterday, my weeks get all mixed in. When we had to celebrate the life of our sister Sherry, 47 years old, so young. But our time here on earth is uncertain. And I brought a toaster with me. Because I think it's a good illustration that can remind us of 
what life is like here on earth. See, toasters, they're not like microwaves. I know we love our microwaves, but toasters, when you use it and when you take, these are Eggo waffles for the kids that don't want to let go my Eggo, what is it? All right. So when you put, this would represent our lives. When you put a life in a toaster, it's not like a microwave. See, you press this down, and a microwave will give you a timer, and it'll tell you, you got 30 seconds, 29, 28, 29, and it'll count you down. A toaster doesn't do that. You just kind of have to wait, and somehow the time is defined by another force that is not you. You don't punch in the numbers. I only want a minute and 45 seconds. So you put your, you're allowed to enter into this world. You're loaded into the toaster as a pair of Eggo waffles. And when the toaster is done, it's gonna pop. And when it pops, what's gonna come out of the toaster? You put in Eggos, you're gonna get Unless God decides to be funny and do a strange miracle and you put in an ego and get a pot roast. Can you imagine? All of a sudden somebody's like, oh man, I gotta, I, I, I gotta, uh, what do you, I, I gotta get that idea and just write it down and make sure, yeah, you get an ego, a pot roast out of an ego. That's not going to happen. If you put in an ego, you're going to get an ego. If you put in toast, you're going to get... That's right. So why do we expect to get something different than what we put in? And then, see, the thing is, there it goes. There it is. When you load it, sooner or later, it's going to pop up. And you're going to get what? An ego. Now, I don't, I'm not much of an ego eater. But when you eat one of those frozen flimsy egos, not so good. When you come out of the toaster, much better, right? So you put in life and you get eternal life, which is much better. But in order... To get eternal life, you have to allow, the, the, you, put it, you put in the, the, the egos, but you have to allow someone to give direction, someone to bring you deeper, someone to take you to a place where you're going to be hidden and under some heat. This is the world we live in. But when God allows us to enter the world, he knows that whatever it is that we're going through, whatever hardship, whatever difficulty, whatever heat, it's just going to make us better. And it's going to make us more satisfying. And it's going to make us more delicious for heaven. Now, if we allow, and I won't do it because I think fire alarms will go off. If we allow ourselves to enter the process, but then refuse to pop up, you're going to be burnt toast. 
Once you go down, there's only one other way you need to go. It's up. We're singing. I'm going from glory to glory. I'm going higher to higher. But some people don't want to go anywhere. You just want to stay right there where the warmth is. But God has been clear from the very beginning. He's told us this time on earth, it's limited. It's uncertain. You weren't placed here on earth to stay here forever. One of the things that I spoke in Sherry's funeral is that it doesn't matter what age someone dies. My, my, my husband's grandmother died at 107 years old, and we were like, oh my God, it caught me by surprise. Her bones were, you could hear her coming because her bones were cracking. There was no cartilage. There was nothing. Her body was done. And we're here, Lord, give her life. <laughs> we're not meant to be on earth forever. As a matter of fact, the time frame that we spend here on earth is only but a nugget compared to what we will spend in eternity. So if that is true, why are we so obsessed about being incubated in this world? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But that Jesus loved us so much, he died for our sins so that we can pop right back up again. When we receive Jesus into our hearts, we can have a more abundant life on earth because we carry eternity again in us. James 4, 13, 15 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town to spend a year there and trade and make profit. That's talking about people who are saying, I'll just do it tomorrow. I'll just, you know what? I love God today, but I will give my heart to him tomorrow. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. We do not command our days. Last week, I received shocking news. Um, you guys have heard um, Bishop and I talk about, uh, when we talk about the testimony that we left to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and they were trying to recruit us there. When we came back and we said no to the most unbelievable offer, we thought, man, I think we made a mistake. We came back to a church of like three or four, Gabito was there. It was just young people, nobody, Bishop and I were working full time just trying to pay everything for the church and whatever. And we just said no to a whole lot of money, a blank sheet of paper saying what kind of house you want, what salary you want, you want me to pay for college, private school for the kids. And we were like, oh my God, we knew God was telling us this is what we need to be. And... When we got back, we were like, eh, maybe we made a mistake. And our mentor said to us, do you think you said no to that? And we were like, we're sure. Yes, check our bank account. You're going to know we said no. And he was like, no, that's not how eternal things work. 
He says, you just made the biggest deposit, a deposit that you could not afford to put into your spiritual bank. You just finished making that deposit right now. You think that God does not notice when you sacrifice, when you obey, when you, when you choose him first, you think that doesn't count towards eternity? He's been such a staple um, Pastor Roberto Miranda in, in Leon de Judá in Boston. And then I was watching one of his sermons from the, not this last, not a week, actually it's a week from today, from today. He was preaching, he was saying that he started a series on the fruit of the spirit and um, there were things that interrupted the series. There was Easter, there was special events and uh, special speakers and he was just happy to be able to get back to the series and he preached his message and his message the title of his message was peace beyond your circumstances he spoke to the church peace did not know that this healthy man was going to have a heart attack and that would be his last sermon you look at him and you don't think you see other people that are eating whatever, doing whatever, don't exercise. He was, him and his wife, an avid health eaters. They exercise, they do what is right. But the truth is that when God calls you, he calls you home. When in your time here on earth is over, it is over. And it's not about that you're better or, or that you do this or that. We have to do whatever we can here on earth to live as righteous as we can. But when our clock is over, it's over. But just like the egos, we don't have to wonder where we're going. My third point to you, to you today and my last point is know your destination. You need to know where you're going. You can't just get in the car and just take off and drive aimlessly without having a destination in mind, especially with the gas prices the way they are. It's just a waste. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your GPS is turned on. You have a destination. You know where you are going. You know you're not staying here. You know you're moving. You know you're going higher. When you understand that this is not your last stop, that frees us from worry. When life gets hard and unfair, we can take comfort that one day we're going to be in paradise. We don't have to be afraid of death. And we don't have to worry about how long we're going to live. No matter what happens here, our future is assured. We shall be in paradise with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowing where we go when we die frees us to do the Lord's work. I love, Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 121. He said, for me, living means living for Christ and dying means even better. I know we're also afraid of death. And here's Paul going like, oh my God, if I live great, but if I die, whoa. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So if I'm going to live, 
I have a reason to live. And that's going to be to be fruitful for Christ. So I really don't know what's better. Like this is the conversation Paul is having with himself. He says, if I, if I live, it means I'm going to do more work for God, which I take so much pleasure in. But if I die, it's like, yay, I'm with him. So I don't know what to do. It's a good thing it was not up to Paul. He says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But this gospel is not lived by self-interest. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And then he says, know this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience your joy and your faith. He wasn't saying, I need to live so that I can grow in joy and faith. See, there's an emphasis that needs to change in the church today. We're all looking for our joy and our peace and our eternal life as if we don't have it already. But Paul is saying, I want I have enough to be with Christ right now. I have enough to die and be satisfied. But because of the love of God towards me and the love of God towards you, I'm going to stick around for a little while so that I can help you grow in your joy and faith. And then he said, and when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ because of what he's doing through me man that's how I want to live this word challenged me today and it should challenge every single one of us if we're still living to find the fruit of the spirit in us we're behind the eight ball we should be enjoying that eternal life. We should be flourishing in the fruit of the Spirit so that others can see in us that fruit and be able to grow themselves. Paul wanted every second to count, but he was also eager to be with his Lord. But more than anything, he just wanted to do whatever God wanted. Man, God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to make the most of our time here on earth by serving him and serving the creation. He doesn't want you worrying about the future. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, if you have entrusted your future in the hands of God, then it is secure. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Your worry should be all the people around you that do not have that security. He said to live is Christ and to die is gain because there's more on the other end what we have now is good but what we will have is better so today as we ponder upon eternal life let's remember eternal life it's a gift from God a free gift of God our time here on earth is uncertain. And I hope you know where your destination is. I hope you know that eternal life is not your destination. Heaven is. 
Eternal life, you don't have to get there. It's yours. It's something that is deposited in us. Heaven is our destination. And what I love about having eternal life inside of me is that when I receive Jesus Christ and eternal life comes in contact with my heart, it changes me and it changes the world and the atmosphere around me. People should get a taste of heaven here on earth. And they should be able to find it at your restaurant. There's only one place here on earth that you can find a taste of heaven. And it is when we come together and we allow the eternity of God to make itself known here on earth. Man, this series that we have preached, we talked about we are sinners. We talked about God is love. We talked about we are redeemed. We talked about Jesus died for us. We talked about everything that you need to know so that you can make that decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior. So that you can align yourself. I think that for some of us who have already received Christ, this was just a good gauge to realign some of our thinking and our processes to remind us this world, this time that we have here, it is crucial. Jesus is coming back soon. I know, I know we didn't get to that, but Jesus is coming back soon. And when he comes back, there is a church that he's coming back for. And there are people around you that are not part of that church. But how will they know if they don't see eternity in you? If they don't find, why would they want to go to heaven if we who are with God, can't even experience a little bit of heaven here on earth. Let us expand. Let us share with the world that we have eternal life. Can you say that with me today? Say, I have eternal life. Thanks for listening to Vida Church Live, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and help us spread the word with a helpful share. If you live in the area or you find yourself visiting here in Rhode Island, drop by and visit Sundays at 10, 120 Prospect Street in Woonsocket, Rhode Island.